And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Father, we thank you for this day. What a wonderful day it is to be in your house with your family. God, I am so thankful and grateful for each one here this morning. I am thankful that this church loves each other and truly desires to please you. We are so blessed, Lord, and we do have so much to be thankful. I just pray that right now you would steal our hearts, calm our hearts, that you would give us something from your word to help us in those, those dark times when the tempter comes at us. Lord, I pray that you would give us courage knowing that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world, that we can have victory, and Lord, that we might walk in that victory. Oh, Father, I plead with you, if there's one here that has never believed in you for his or her eternal salvation, I pray that today would be the day that your conviction comes upon him, upon her, that he or she would acknowledge their condition as sinners, turn from that and turn to you in faith, believing in what you alone have done on the cross of Calvary. Oh, Father, do your work in our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to bless us as you have poured out blessing after blessing after blessing on this church. I ask you, Father, please do it again. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. I uh, had an internal struggle of whether to continue in Romans. I will continue in Romans next week. But this was very, this was very apropos, this study. This study was for myself because sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll do something and I wonder, what in the world was I thinking? Has anyone, anyone ever been there? And uh, yeah, you're probably wondering, what in the world was he thinking? You know, when, uh, but I started thinking about this, and I came to the conclusion, the Bible is clear on the matter, and I want to repeat this. I know I'm being repetitive, but I want you to get it. Satan is not omniscient. When I was a young preacher, I heard a preacher tell me one time, you don't preach with notes. If you preach with notes, the devil will see what you're writing, and he'll, he'll work against you. And I thought, well, you know, how can the devil be everywhere at the same time? He can't. He cannot. And I'm afraid that we give a little bit too much credit to the devil when actually it's our flesh that's causing the problem. The Bible says that Satan is cunning, but he's not all-knowing. Satan is clever, but he's not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. Satan is limited in his power. Which means that if I yield to his temptation, I am the one that's given way. I am the one who's yielding my power, the power given to me through the Holy Spirit, to him. Flip Wilson used to say this, the devil made me do it. All those who used to know who Flip Wilson is, some young people are like, what? Based on this limited power, though, he has a tool to use against us. And that tool is called sifting. Sifting. What is sifting? Well, to sift, as defined by the Oxford Online Dictionary, means to examine something thoroughly so as to isolate that which is important and useful. May I read that again? Sifting is to examine something thoroughly so as to isolate that which is important 
and useful. You are constantly going through the sifting process. And you don't even know it. You don't even know it. How does Satan know exactly with what to tempt us? How does he know what might I be drawn to and what might you be drawn to? You might be drawn to something totally different than I am. I look at that and I say, well, that's stupid. It has no effect on me. How does Satan know how to tempt us? Well, the act of sifting is when someone back in those days would take like a little screen. They would get a lot of dirt and debris in this screen and they would shake it. And when they would shake it, all the large particles would be stuck on top of the screen and the small fine stuff would fall through so as to remove the large particles. So basically, when Satan is sifting us, he is constantly barraging us, throwing things at us to isolate what is useful for him to tempt you with. He is constantly throwing things at you. Why do you suppose when you're uh, innocently surfing the internet and something pops up that's not good on your computer screen, Satan's sifting? You think it's a coincidence. It is not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. Satan is good at what he does. Whatever it is that catches the desires of our flesh reveals to him the avenue of temptation. So the devil works in conjunction with our flesh to find out what it is we are drawn to and that's what he fixates on and that's what he constantly barrages us with. This is a serious thing. You and I don't have to give in to that temptation. We don't have to succumb to the attacks of the devil. Is not Jesus Christ greater than Satan? He is. Is not the Holy Spirit greater than Satan? He is. Why then do we buy into the fact that simply because we're tempted, we have to yield to it? We don't. The problem is our flesh loves it. Our flesh craves it. Our flesh desires it. That's the real problem. And we look at the elementary things of, such as coming to church and being with brothers and sisters in Christ as, well, it's just, it's really optional. Listen, I'm not telling you, you do what you want to do. I'm not the Holy Spirit Junior here. And I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. But I'm telling you this, when you realize Satan is after you, you're going to want every tool you can have to keep from falling. I don't come to church because I want to or I'm obligated to. I come to church because I have to. Because I understand the devil is after me. And my, my, I've said this since I was a kid. It's better to be a live chicken than a dead duck. Can I have an amen there? You can think you're mancho or whatever. I'm not. I'm running in Jesus' name. Amen. We won't overcome the sifting process, but we can overcome the surrender to the temptation. You understand that? In other words, you're always going to be tempted. As long as you're breathing on this earth, you're going to be tempted. And you're going to be drawn away and enticed of your own lusts. And the Bible says, when it is conceived, then you sin. You don't have to conceive it, church. 
You don't have to conceive it. You won't overcome the sifting process, but you can overcome the surrender and yielding to the flesh. How are we going to do that? I'm glad you asked. First of all, number one, we must acknowledge the process is happening and be on guard for it. Has anyone ever been caught up in a scam? Has someone ever tried to scam you? Have your phone ever rung and it said scam alert? Do you know what the, one of the greatest defenses to a scam is? To know the scam is happening. To know about it. To be on guard. To be watching for it. Someone has told you that you could be scammed and don't buy into this. That's one of the first acts of defense. We believers need to realize that we are being sifted every day of our life. Moment by moment, the devil is sifting. He's sifting you in your home to divide you and your spouse. He wants you all fighting. He wants you all pointing out each other's flaws and doing all that stuff. He wants to do that because he would love to destroy you and destroy your testimony. The devil cannot take your salvation away from you, but he can sure take the joy of your salvation away from you. You have to know your weaknesses. You have to know your weaknesses. And nobody wants to focus on their weaknesses. Nobody wants to admit where they are and, 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 and what tempts them. Nobody wants to do that. But if you're going to be victorious over it, you have to know where you stand. You have to know where you're weak. And you have to be on guard for it. So you have to acknowledge that the process is happening. I'm constantly being sifted and I'm watching out for the devil. I'm watching out for the devil. Number two, you need to pray. I find this interesting. Jesus says, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But, Jesus says, I have prayed for you. I've prayed for you. Right after Jesus tells uh, Peter that Satan would sift him as wheat, he says, I have prayed for you. Never underestimate the power of prayer, church. Most of us Christians are so busy. Listen, we have more gadgets and gizmos and all these electronic things and everything to keep us occupied. And it is amazing. Some of you say, well, that phone doesn't slave me, but you said eight hours in front of the television. It's just a bigger screen. It's quiet in here. But we always, we always underestimate the power of prayer. How do we underestimate it? We only pray when we need God. We only pray when we're in trouble. When we go to the doctor and the doctor says, man, this can't be good. Hey, you call everybody in the world, pray for me. Preacher, my family life's not doing good. I need prayer. Yeah, we wait until the last resort to pray, don't we? That's called underestimating prayer. Jesus said, Satan wants you, Peter, but I've prayed for you. What did he pray? I, he prayed that your faith would not fail. He didn't pray that you wouldn't go through temptation. He didn't pray that the temptation would not come or, or keep you from that hour. No, you know what he said? I'm praying that your faith will not fail. We spend so much time on everything but building our faith. We build our intellect. We build our, our uh, exercise and our, our bodies and we do all these things but rarely do we build our faith. In the Lord Jesus Christ. You see it all works together. It's all part of God's plan. Without faith it's impossible to please God. When's the last time you and I prayed for ourselves that our faith would not fail? No, most of the time we say, God get me out of this mess. 
Don't we? I, I'm say we, I say me. God, get me out of this mess. Lord, I'm doing everything to serve you, and the harder I serve you, the worse it gets. And Jesus says, pray that your faith fails not. Number three, I find it interesting. Jesus says, help others. In verse 32, he says, But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Now, this is hard for Peter. Peter says, oh, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and death. Oh, really, Peter? Before the cock crows twice, you'll deny me thrice, three times. Before that rooster crows two times, you're going to deny me three times, Peter. Oh, Lord, I'd never do that. I'll never do that. And that fateful night in the garden, Jesus is arrested. And they take him. And Peter follows from afar. And he goes and he was over by the fire and he's warming his hands. And that little girl hears him talk. And she says, wait a minute here. You sound like one of those Galileans. I think I saw you with him. He said, what are you talking about? And he cursed and he swore he did not know Jesus. It's interesting to me that Peter's ministry after he denied Christ was greater than before he denied Christ. Jesus restores Peter back to fellowship on the banks of the sea there. And some 52 days later, he stands in front of the very people that killed Jesus. And he said, this same Jesus whom you crucified is both Lord and Messiah Christ. He boldly preached the word of God. Now, what does helping others have to do with my temptation? Oh, the scripture is full of it. First Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 tells us that the comfort we've been given, it is our duty to give others. Galatians 6.1, if, if a brother be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. We are connected together, church. Jesus Christ is the uniting theme in our lives. We're brothers and sisters. That means something. And when I am there for you and you are there for me, it helps us. And we can battle the attacks of the devil. But we can't do that if we're fighting amongst each other, if we're gossiping about each other and tearing each other down. We need each other. Part of our defeating the devil is strength from others. Listen, I wish it were so in a church, but it's not. We ought to be able to have some men and women in this church that we could confess our deepest, our deepest flaws with. And it'd be a matter of sincere prayer, not a matter of gossip. You know what so-and-so's struggling with? You wouldn't believe it. We ought to be able in this church to go to someone and say, listen, man, I need to tell you, I am being tempted heavily. I am the, I, I, I'm, I'm struggling here. I need some help. What do I do? There's strength in numbers. Kids know this, right? Red Rover, Red Rover. Sin words, yeah. Brian Stidham over. He's on my team. <laughs> Kids understand that. The sports, sports world understands that. Why doesn't the church get it? Why don't we get it that we need each other? That I need you just as badly as you need me. 
Where is the genuineness and the realness and the openness that we can share what we're going through with each other and it not be made fun of or made light of? But it be a sincere prayer request and a sincere help. We can be real with each other and share more of our burdens and we could be more vigilant in resisting the devil. Sometimes it's good to know that there's just somebody there with you. That you're not alone in this. You're not alone in this fight. There's someone standing side by side with you ready to fight on your behalf. Number four, spend time in the Word of God. Jesus was out in the wilderness and he comes out of the wilderness for 40 days and he comes back and he was hungry. And immediately upon his arrival, Satan tempts him. Three times he tempts Jesus. All three times Jesus uses the word of God to combat the tempting of Satan. Now understand this, the devil knows the word. But the devil is not obedient to the word of God. He doesn't believe the word of God. You and I, we study this word, we read this word because it's our lifeline, guys. We need it. This is how we know how we are to respond, how we are to act, how we are to conduct ourselves. This is the way that we know. Jesus said, this is the truth. Thy word is truth. This is truth. It's not some archaic book that's uh, narrow-minded and doesn't mean anything. It's God's love letter to us. It means everything. That's why when some almost 30 girls gathered here to study the Bible yesterday, that excites me. You know why? Because they're in touch with God in the Word of God and they need it. At a crucial time in their life, they need it. That's why tonight we'll gather around in different classrooms and we'll sit at a table and we'll open up the Word of God and we'll feast on the Word of God. Why will we do that? Because it is life and death. We need it. It's vital to us, to our overcoming Satan. Peter stands 52 days after he denied Christ, stands in the midst of all the people that had the power to kill him, And he boldly preaches the word of God. Later in Acts, they're arrested and they couldn't hold the disciples. So they beat them and they tell them, don't you preach the word of God. And they go out and know what they did? They preached the word of God. They said, you're all filling this town with this doctrine. What gave them the boldness to preach the word of God? It was their faith. It was their faith. See, if you believe this book, you don't have to prove it. It's a book of faith. It's true whether you believe it or not. But if you believe it, you'll read it, you'll obey it, you'll love it. It's not an obligation. Preacher, you're always telling us to read the Bible. Yes, I am because it's important. Well, someone said, well, preacher, if I have to pray or read the Bible, which, which is more important? Well, do you like inhaling or exhaling? Which is more important? Satan wants to sift you so he can find out what tempts you. Do you know why? 
I want you to remember this. This has helped me all my life. It's called the D's of the devil. Number one, he wants to divide us. Number two, he wants to discourage us. Number three, ultimately, he wants to destroy us. He wants to see churches falling apart and people falling into sin so he can gloat it around the world and say, look, this Christianity is not real. Look at this. Look at all this. Why? He's trying to divide the church. He's trying to, he's trying, he's trying to discourage you and he's trying to destroy you. But you know what? Many times he starts with disinterest well I got so much to do today I, I, I won't read my Bible well you know I've been waiting all year for NFL to come on I don't, it's not important that I go I went Sunday morning I don't need to go to Sunday night and study the Bible I'll be okay I, I really don't need to tell my friend about Christ because he, he'll figure it out and if it's God's will he'll be saved anyways right Well, I really don't need to go down there on work day because, you know, there are plenty of people. I've done my job. It's their turn to take the mantle and, 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 and do it. You see, the devil starts with disinterest. But his end goal is to destroy you. His end goal is to destroy us all. He wants to sift you. So I would tell you, be on guard. Be on guard. Do not let your guard down. Do not look at someone when they fall and say, listen, I would never do that. Don't you dare say that. That is the foolishness out of the pit of hell. Many of men have said, I'll never do that, and that's the very thing they did. But say, maybe by the grace of God and His strength and in the power of the Holy Spirit, I won't do that. Be in prayer. It's okay to pray for yourself. It's okay, God, guard me. Help me when temptation comes. Help me to be alert to it, to understand, to know what it is that's tempting me. And help me, Lord, that my faith would not fail. When I'm tempted with that and it comes across my screen, give me the faith to push the button to turn it off. When I'm being tempted at work, when someone comes to me and they want to gossip about someone else, and I'm, 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 I feel the same way and I want to do it, Lord, give me the strength to, 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 to hit the pause button and not do it. Give me the faith in you and your word and understanding what your word says that I won't do that. Be helping your brothers and sisters. Be one that someone can come to you with anything and you will take it to Christ alone and that's it. Be someone that they can count on you. Be a believer, a brother or sister in Christ that when someone comes to you and says, listen, I'm really struggling this, will you pray with me that you genuinely pray with them and you don't go and tell everybody about it? If you must talk about it, talk about it to the Lord. That is not, I'm telling you, that is not Christian behavior. When you, someone tells you something, you run and blab it around, it is not Christian behavior. It's a sin. It's a sin. Be in the Word. Be in the Word of God. Let me just tell you this, church. I mean this with all my heart. 
I listened to a sermon the other day by a preacher, and he said these words. It really spoke to me. He said, my greatest problem is me. And my greatest problem is that I want to do everything independent from God. Jesus Christ was very sincere when he said, for without me, you can do nothing. He was serious. He meant it. And you and I, those of us that have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, we can walk in the Spirit. How do we walk in the Spirit? We have to be filled with the Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? It means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. What did Jesus tell us the Holy Spirit would do? He would guide us into all truth. What is truth? The truth is the Word of God. How am I going to know the Word of God? The Holy Spirit is going to guide you. They used to sing a song in the church, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. How many of you believe that? Listen, we can't even, I can't even function without the Lord's help. And the older I get, the more sensitive I am to the areas in which I'm failing. And the areas to which I'm susceptible for temptation. And I don't want to be so foolish to think I can do this on my own. That is the personification, I would say, of pride. What we need are some men and women filled with the Holy Spirit will stand up and say, by God's grace, I want to do things His way and His power for His glory. And I'm willing to surrender myself afresh and anew, knowing that the, the sifting process is coming. And I know that I need God's help. I know that I need prayer, and I know that I need the Word of God, and I know that I need each other. I need you. And guys, that's the way we are victorious over the attacks of the devil. There's not a one of us in here, if our children did something that was wrong, and we could see it, that they were going to return back to that same thing, and we'd say, listen, don't go there. Well, I can't help it, man. I just feel like I'm being drawn that way, and I just can't help myself. No, we would do everything in our power to keep them from going there. Wouldn't we? Absolutely we would. Because we know what's there is going to hurt them. The same thing happens with God in our lives. We're His children. He loves us. And He knows these things are destructive in our lives. And He's given us these tools that we can overcome the sifting process in our lives. But we can't be disconnected from the church. We can't be disconnected from the Holy Spirit. And we can't be disconnected from the Word of God. How many of you have ever watched The Animal Planet? Right? And that lion is waiting for that one gazelle to go down by the water and get alone by itself, and it's just lying in wait, waiting. And when that one's alone, pow, it pounces on it and goes and gets it. And it kills it. That's the same thing the devil does. He wants you disconnected from your church family. He wants you in isolation. Remember our definition of sifting? So he can find out what it is. That you do that tempts you in secret that nobody knows about, so he can destroy you with that. 
two weeks ago, a man who I respected. I did not know him. I followed his ministry. He went on leave, pastor of a church. He went on leave of absence. It was brought to his attention that he was instant messaging someone that was not his wife, another female that was not his wife, a woman who was married. He said in his telling the church that he was sorry immediately when he was confronted. He went to his deacons. He shared it with his elders. They have elders. He shared it with them, and uh, they thought it was best until everything was complete and they did a thorough investigation that he would, um, he would step down for a while, not permanently, but for a while. And as I, thought, I sat there and thought, man, this is terrible. I like this guy. He's a good, great teacher. Nothing was, I guess, in the explanation. They're, they thought it was unwise. The elders thought it was unwise because of the frequency which they were chatting and the familiarity. That's what they used. I don't know if anything sexual happened or anything. I'm talking a big church. And I'm telling you this, guys. If you think that people that are so-called in biblical or church positions are not vulnerable to falling, you are foolish. I'm not saying you're a fool. I'm saying you're acting foolishly. I would tell you this. And I mean this with all sincerity. Not a game, not a joke. I'm being very sincere. Satan would have you to sift you as wheat. To destroy you. I'm telling you, you can be innocent. But in today's climate, you will be guilty until proven innocent. I'm telling you, be on guard. Know that the devil's doing this in your life. Know that tomorrow morning... He's coming after you to attack you, to sift you, to find out what he can tempt you with tomorrow. You be on guard. You be in prayer. You get your morning, you get up in the morning and you start by talking to the Lord. And you don't have to have this language you hear, this prayer language that everybody prays, oh, heavenly, magnificent Father, blah, 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 blah. I can see Peter stepping out of the boat. Oh, heavenly Father, as he's sinking, Lord, whom thou... No, he said, Lord, save me. Talk to God. Talk to him. Don't be pious. Be sincere. Be humble. God, I need you. I know today I'm going to... I know I'm going to be attacked. Give me faith. Help my faith not to fail when the attacks come. Help me to turn to you, to turn to your word, to turn to the Holy Spirit, to turn to my brothers and sisters in Christ for help so I don't fall, so I don't make a mess of my family, so I don't make a mess of my life, so I don't mess this up. Lord, i got to have you. That's more than any of these big words you can use. And God will help you. And when the temptation comes, listen to me. And you're able to overcome that temptation, you'll be so glad you did. You'll be so thankful that God helped you avoid this disaster. Father, we ask you to bless this time together. We thank you for your word, how powerful 